Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on texasfootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitch, or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley Pickle. Howdy, team. Happy uh, happy post-Thanksgiving day show. Thanks. Nailed it. Bud? Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Today is Monday. Fact. November 29th, also 2021. Mm-hmm. 360 days till Thanksgiving. <sighs> Far this will be, guys. All right. Look, it's a tough one, mm-hmm. but we've got the glow of Thanksgiving to carry us. Dixon say, remember remember the good times. Remember be happy that time. they happened. Exactly right. Happy birthday to, oh, let's go with Don Cheadle, uh, episode 1290. On today's show, guys. Large show. We've got Monday morning fallout. We'll overreact to the football weekend. Then we're going to talk around 1230. We're going to be talking with the head coach of the China Spring Cougars, Coach Brian Bell. Uh, They had a big win on Friday that we will discuss with him. Then back half of the show, we are going to talk a little bit about the coaching maneuvers that are happening in the state of Texas. There are reportedly two new FBS head coaches in the state of Texas. One of them has been announced by the school. The other one hasn't, at least at this moment. It's 12.05 to, to, to time check it. Uh, it may happen literally while we're on the air. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about the new coaches at SMU and TCU coming up here in the back half of the program. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Tony Blaylock, Coach Terry Crawford. That's uh, 14-0, 13-0. 13-0 Abbott Panthers, state semifinals. Big game this week against number one May. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Aaron Arbuckle and Robert Legau. Also want to give a quick shout-out. Um, I was able, our longtime viewer, Josh Chapa, I was able to meet him at the Argyle game this week. So just giving him a shout-out there. Welcome you, in, fellas wa- and wait, lady fellas. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. You... You, like, mingled with the masses? You? I did. And apparently, Step and Ish got to meet Landon Sam. So it was a big weekend for all of us meeting I mean, some uh, TFT It's, not, it's not surprising for Ish and Step to go and meet. They're men of the people. Oh, Lord have mercy. You hush yourself. You you are. I am out amongst the people every single week, sir. Ivory I'll tower. be at three games amongst the people this week. Let's we'll get to Pickle. No time to waste. Pickle! Hit the air raid siren. It's time for Monday morning follow-up. Of course, when we overreact to the football weekend, a few things to talk about today. <laughs> Just a few, th- a few, maybe two. Overreact to the football weekend. We're going to start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one, on Black Friday, everything must go. <laughs> so, I recorded, on, on Friday night, I recorded an instant reaction that you can find on our YouTube page and spread it around. And, and I'm always pretty... Like, I always want to make sure that I'm being a bit thoughtful in my rea- in my reactions to things like that because I think, especially in sports media, people can be too quick to declare things the biggest or the greatest or the most unbelievable or the, the, the most this or the biggest that. 
But after spending the whole weekend thinking about it, I think I'm ready to declare that Saturday, or Friday rather, Friday, was among the wildest days in recent Texas high school football history. What we saw on Friday night, on Friday, and not just Friday night, Friday day, mm-hmm. is relatively unprecedented. I have been trying to find a time that we had a, a situation like this, and I have not been able to find one. Because the bottom line, the headline of Friday is that six defending state champions went down. It was six wild. In the course of about seven hours, it happened. Uh, we had six. Half of the UIL state champions. Think about that. In the span of seven hours, mm-hmm. six went down. We'd already lost one. Mm-hmm. Balmeray had lost the week before, so we were going to have a new 1A Division uh, two state champion. Mm-hmm. Then, you have 1A Division one. Sterling City gets beat by, beat by Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a huge upset. Uh, Westbrook had already actually beaten Sterling City. Right. Um, and so, you know, you know it, was, it was a tight game, 44-41. Great mm-hmm. six-man game. But I don't know if that's necessary. I wouldn't classify that as an upset. I thought that was a coin flip type game. Right. Westbrook won the game. Mm-hmm. Knocked them out. We'll have, we'll have two new six-man state champions. 1A is the only classification that will have two new state champions each of the last three years. Nobody's gone back-to-back. Every other classification, we've had at least one team go Mm back-to-back in the last three years. Not happening there. 2A was was unscathed. Mart rolled past Wortham. Mm -hmm. Shiner rolled past Schulenberg. Yes. Then there's 3A. In 3A Division 2, Abernathy beats Canadian. Now, we had kind of had a feeling that perhaps Abernathy was going to beat Canadian or that someone was going to beat Canadian. Canadian was They had a rough, yeah. Canadian was really banged up. It's not to make excuses. Abernathy went out there and took the game. But it also felt like they had at best, a generous reading of the situation at Canadian was that they had fallen back to the pack. Abernathy certainly good enough to beat them, and they did. Uh, and they, they knocked them out. That's the first time since 2013 they will not be in a state semifinal. Three Division One. Brock beats Jim Ned. Mm-hmm. 70 to 25. I was going to say, they didn't just beat them. I mean... They beat the brakes off them. Unbelievable. They they took them to the woodshed, and they and took I, some aggression out. I was going to say, I was asking... Our photographer, Tommy Hayes, was at the Argyle game that I was at later that night, and I asked him, I was like, was Xavier Wishart hurt? Like, what went right? And he said, they just took it to him. He goes, there was nothing about that other than just taking it to him. It was... A dominant performance. Cutter Wilson had a huge game. Everything was working for Brock. And they get their revenge on Jim Ned. Because you remember last year, that was the game that really springboarded Jim Ned, I think, to the state championship. Absolutely. And after that, it was it was just it was a remarkable win for Brock. Not necessarily that they beat him, because I think that it was, again, I think it was about a coin flippy type game. I think if you want to take Jim Ned, you are certainly within your rights. But, but to drop a 70 burger. But to beat them by 45 and to hang 70 on them is shocking. So we'll have a new 3A Division One champion. We'll have a new 3A Division Two champion. We'll also have a new 4A Division Two champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, as China Spring beats Carthage 27-17. Now... I want to give myself a little bit of credit. Yeah. I've been sitting here for a whole week Mm -hmm. and telling y'all, China Springs good enough to beat Carthage. Mm -hmm. Now, I ain't going to pick it. No. Because I ain't crazy. You're going to pick a team to, you don't pick against a streak. No. uh, Carthage had won 41 straight games, the longest winning streak in the state. They had won 81 of their last 82 games. And you want me to go out on a limb and say, China Springs going to beat Carthage? No, of course not. I was at this game. I got to uh, hang out with our uh, with our buddy Gavin Moritz. I got mm-hmm. to hang out with uh, Coach Grant Freeman, the mm-hmm. uh, head coach of Wichita Falls, who was on the call for for Texan Life. Did a fantastic job. Uh, Josh, Josh was running Josh, camera. Our, uh, Josh was running camera. Our intern. There are Schnorbs, Pitch mm-hmm. Schnorbach, our friend who was there covering the game for Bally. And let me be very frank about this. China Spring was the better team. That's not a matter of them catching a couple breaks. That's not a matter of them uh, kind of out, out, you know, finding a way, a couple ways to, to kind of squirrel away from them. 
No, 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 no. China Spring went out and took it. And China Spring went out and and straight up beat Carthage, mm-hmm. which that has not happened in a long time. It really hasn't happened in a long time. Yes, they lost that 2018 semifinal to Liberty Hill. I don't know. I, like the way that that game went, this was a more dominant. This is the most dominant performance against Carthage that we have seen in at least five years. Yeah, it was impre- incredible to watch, and so we'll have a new four A Division two state champion. We'll have a new four A Division one state champion. The game mm-hmm. you were at, Stephenville beats Argyle. 2117. Again, I don't know if I would necessarily cl- the the rankings would tell you it's not an upset. Mm-hmm. This is number 2 Stephenville over number 7 Argyle. Yeah. Something like that. Um they'll tell you it's not an upset. Mm-hmm. But but saying that you are good enough to beat a team, much like the Carthage, uh, much mm-hmm. like a uh, Carthage and much like the game we'll get to. Saying that you're good enough to beat a team and actually doing it are two totally different things. Are entirely different. Especially when, yeah, in the rankings this year, obviously Argyle had fallen and uh, to Melissa earlier this year, and so we're thinking, okay, they might be a little bit down. But that is a team that traditionally, it doesn't necessarily matter what happens in the regular season. They are a team that consistently gets hot in the playoffs when they need to. Mm-hmm. And so it's like for Stephenville to know, and I think that's the other thing too. Stephenville, I think you could you could talk to coach earlier the week and he would say, if we're going to do it, this could be the year. Like we, we mm-hmm. know that, but to then keep yourself calm enough when you actually get to the big stage to do it, I mm-hmm. think that was the most impressive thing about it. The defense was excellent. Yes. Kept them in the game while the offense figured things out mm-hmm. they get the late touchdown and then a stop on fourth down they win and so argyle's out we'll have two new 4a divisions uh 4a state champions and then there was the one that i would say is the big one yes 110 percent 5a division two south oak cliff 33 alito 28 mm-hmm. and you're gonna hear a lot about um the way this game went you're gonna hear a lot about the um, the things that the things that that South Oak Cliff did well. Let me be blunt about this. I think Alito walks off the bus and is already up fourteen nothing on a lot of teams mm-hmm. because of the who they are. They're the ten type state champs. They've got Alito across their chest. They have made it to the state semifinals every year since two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. They are a dominant force. And the, we can talk as much as we want. Oh, I need to learn this this um, South of Cliff quarterback's name because he's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fantastic. Okay, Kevin Henry Jennings. Kevin Henry Jennings. He was excellent. We can talk about the defense, talk about the offensive line, talk about Coach Jason Todd. All the things, the schematics, those things. The number one thing that South Oak Cliff did is that they played unafraid. Mm-hmm. They played with a chip on their shoulder, and they played like they were going out against anybody, which is not something that a lot of teams do against Alita. Mm-mm. And it's one thing, especially, they went out there and punched him in the mouth in the first half, and they were up. And then it started, Alito started doing that thing where you could tell Coach Buck got him in the locker room. They mm-hmm. kind of figured their stuff out. And then it looked like at the very end they were going to have the chance to do a two-minute drill to go down there and win it. And Sock never gave up, and that's what won them the game. There's... There's with with teams like Alito, with teams like Carthage, with teams like Argyle to a certain extent, with a team like um, South, let's say South Lake Carroll, maybe mm-hmm. Allen, maybe Katie Westlake. Even when you're winning, there's always a wave, mm-hmm. and it's coming. And how do you sustain Stop that wave? That. Yep. And South Oak Cliff did that. Um, it is a remarkable win for South Oak Cliff. Mm-hmm. It's a remarkable win for Dallas ISD. It's a remarkable win for inner city football. Mm-hmm which has been the punching bag for a lot of these suburban programs for a long time. This is a moment of celebration for them. And South Oak Cliff did it. And, and it is, it is truly remarkable. And so that was on a Friday full of surprises and a Friday full of absolute gobsmackers. Mm -hmm. That was the one that really captured it all. I need Sock to keep going so you can go watch that offensive line play in person because, oh boy. That's they're, they're like, the average weight is like 315 pounds. It is un, it is so fun to watch. Big boys. <laughs> Saw number one. Thought number two, expectation hangover. Let's talk a little bit about college football. Let me ask you a question, Pickle. Mm-hmm. Did North Texas have a good season? No. 
Well, mm. <laughs> I mean, let they're me going ask, bowling. Let me ask you a question, Pickle. Did Rice have a good season? Mm. They win their season finale against Louisiana Tech. Mm-hmm. They finished 4-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did UTEP have a good season? Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. They went 6-6. Six and 7-5. Six. Mm-hmm. They went 7-5. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they started off 6-1, and one, lost 5 out of the last 6. Right? Did did A and M have a good season? No. <clears throat> they lose to LSU in the season finale. They finish eight and four. Did SMU have a good season? They were ranked at one point. We'll talk about their coaching change coming up in a moment. I don't know. Did Tech? That like that's what's so funny about this mm-hmm. is when you look at these college football programs measured against their expectations, Mm -hmm. I think there's basically only two teams, three teams. Boy, well, two teams. It's so hard to answer. Two teams that I would say unequivocally had a great season. UTSA and Houston. Oh, see, I would go Baylor and Houston. And Baylor, yeah. Now, UTSA, I don't think they're they're turning their nose up at 11-1 in a conference championship berth. I don't think they're turning their nose up at that. So maybe it's three, right? But... Everyone else is in some sort of soft middle. Yeah. Right? Now, there are some, like, I think it's it's pretty clear, in my opinion, that, but, like, for example, Texas State, they finished with a win. Yep. They beat Arkansas State. They finished 4-8. Yeah. Um, but, like, Texas, I think they're pretty pretty clear. It's like, we didn't have a great game, No. Right? Texas is, is was bad. Everyone, TCU, I think, same way. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is kind of in that squishy middle. Right. And it is a strange thing to go back and consider where we thought these programs would be mm-hmm. versus where they finished. Even in as far as midseason is concerned, I think North Texas is a perfect example. Yep. They're one in six, and we're thinking, it's probably better start looking for, for, for an apartment. Yeah, and then they Seth win Luttrell. their last five and they beat a ranked opponent they, in, at home. They rattle off their last five, and they knock off the team that's probably going to win conference USA. Yep. It's a strange, strange season in college football, and yeah. we'll have a lot of time to break it down. And thought number three, second verse, same as the first. We had 18 rematches in the in the third third round of the Texas high school football playoffs. 18 rematches. And of the 18 rematches, a grand total of three won their game. Three reversed their regular season result. And those were... Corpus Christi Flower Bluff beat Gregory Portland in an unbelievable game, by the way. Yeah. Tyler Chapel Hill beat Kilgore mm-hmm. to avenge a, a regular season loss in another unbelievable game, double mm-hmm. overtime. And Happy beat Turkey Valley to avenge a regular season loss. Now that one, that was the one game that was decided. It was super close in the first time they met. Uh, Valley won seventy to sixty-eight. Happy won this one thirty-eight thirty-six. So, you can look at it two ways. One, you can say it's hard to beat a good team twice, and that's true. But at the same time, 15 teams did it. Right. And, and why, why does that matter? Why am I bringing that up? Because this week, we've got 15 more mm-hmm. rematches in the regional final. The finals. regional final is when it typically peaks at that. And so now, like, what do you do with a game like North Shore and Atascocita? Yep. North Shore beat Atascocita the first time, 31-21. Duncanville DeSoto, beat him by 21 the first time. Wichita Falls Ryder and Cooper are going to play for the eighth time in four years. That's a real stat. Eighth time in 37 months. <laughs> Eight times. That's wild. Uh, what do you do with Colleyville Heritage and Mansfield Summit, which was a yep. one-point game in week eight? Mm-hmm. What do you do with a game like Brock and Whitesboro? What do you do with a game like Lubbock, Roosevelt, and Abernathy? Yep. I think you have to give the edge to the team that won the first meeting but it's by no means a sure thing and See, i think that yeah. i think we are we're much more likely to have more of more results flipped this time mm-hmm. than we did this week round than we did last yeah round. i would i would almost say i i think i always think the opposite way just seeing like i mean the monster winthors thing is perfect of, of an example obviously they're not playing now but mm-hmm. in just years past that all waco mm-hmm. la vega and argyle it's like whoever wins one you ain't winning the second Ryder, one. That's always how my train of thought process works. Ryder and Cooper tend to split. Yep. Right? So we'll see. It's three big thoughts. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker to Lubbock Cooper running back 
Judge Thomason, first of all, outstanding name. Fantastic. Can't, uh, uh, you know, hats off to you. He ran for 206 yards and three touchdowns. It's in Lubbock Cooper's victory this past week over Grapevine. How about Houston wide receiver Jake Herslow, mm-hmm. a guy we haven't heard a ton about, but he was the uh, leading receiver in their win over East Carolina. I believe he had uh, five catches for 113 yards um, to uh, to get the victory. Or not East Carolina. Who they who they beat this past week? Um, Houston beat. You listen to live coverage. Of Tulsa. Me. Tulsa. Thank you. No, UConn. 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 Oh yeah, that's right. They beat. Yeah, that's why I didn't. Take, that's why you couldn't before, remember. Yeah. Uh, five catches, <laughs> 111 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, as they pulled away and, and never really let UConn sniff competitive. It was a little close, like 21-10 at halftime, but then they pulled away in the third quarter. And a helmet sticker to Crosby quarterback Siren Miles, 268 yards passing. He had another 15 carries for 122 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Crosby's wild win mm-hmm. this past week. Teams to watch. Tomball. Yeah, we got called out on this one. So Tomball, you'll remember, finished fourth in their own district. Mm-hmm. You remember, go back to my Week 11 picks video. I spotlighted the Tomball-Klein game because, like, guys, this is a straight up for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Winners in, losers out. Well, now Tomball's gotten white hot. Kale Callum's gotten white hot. They take down Rockwall Heath. And now... In an impressive fashion. Going up against Bridgeland... And I don't know what the status of Connor Wigman is. He went out in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. I was going to say, I saw Bridgel not too long ago. If if Wigman is not up to full health, there is plenty of room for Tom Ball to make some noise. Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word uh, wins their first ever playoff game, 35-28 in Woo-hoo. overtime. Uh, they came up clutch in their overtime win. Uh, fantastic matchup there. They are through to take on another Texas opponent in Sam Houston. So they get a shot at the national champs. And Whitesboro. Whitesboro has been playing football since 19... Is it 11? They have been playing football since 1915. And they are through to the fourth round of the playoffs for the first time ever. How about that? I remember when Whitesboro had like a super long losing streak. Mm-hmm. They had, they, or it was like they had a huge playoff drought. And now they're in the stinking regional finals. That's Congratulations awesome. to the Bearcats. Three to see. It's the week. Shannon Furio week, guys. Uh, this is, we were talking about this. I think that this is minimum one of the five most anticipated games of the year. Yeah. Absolutely. Minimum, across state, any level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's everybody's chance to get their look at small school ball. Like, yeah. this is the big school snobs, I feel like, do Thursday still night, tune in. It's Thursday night. It'll be on Texan Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shiner Mercuria in Victoria. Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor sneaks into the Big 12 championship game yeah. because Oklahoma State wins Bedlam for the first time in forever. Uh, in a wild game. That was a wild game. Uh, but Baylor... I mean, Baylor tried to spit the bit against Tech. They absolutely uh, did. But they, they get the win there through to the Big 12 championship game where they'll get a rematch with Oklahoma State. Remember, Oklahoma State handed them their loss earlier this year. So we will find out how all that shakes out. But that game is uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday. And Stephenville, Melissa, it's your Region four, region 2 final in 4A Division One. Stephenville coming off that big win over Argyle. Can they ride that to a win over the team that also beat Argyle in Melissa, who looked uh, pretty darn good in their win as well? So those are three to see that. It's a beefy Monday morning fallout. We're at Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Pickle! Dave Campbell's Texas Football, in partnership with Ozarka, is proud to honor one team in each classification with the Ozarka Fueled by Nature Team of the Week Award. Team, the teams selected throughout the course of this program have exemplified the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 14 Season Finale Edition Woo-hoo. of the Ozarka Fueled by Nature Team of the Week. In 6A, Humble Summer Creek. Lloyd Lloyd Avant and Tory Curry combined for 334 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground as the Bulldogs surged to the into the 6A Division II regional finals with a wild 61-42 win over Katie Cinco Ranch. In 5A South Oak Cliff, in one of the stunners of the Texas high school football season, the Golden Bears took down two-time defending champion Alito 33-28, handing the Bearcats their first loss before the state semifinal since 2012. 
In 4A, Tyler Chapel Hill. Samari Willis scored in the second overtime, and Javen Mayfield hauled in a game-winning interception in the end zone. It's the Bulldogs event a regular season loss to Kilgore with a 41-35 victory over their district rival. In 3A, Brock. A year after being stunned by Jim Ned, the Eagles exacted a bit of revenge, romping the defending state champs 70-25 to move on to the 3A Division I regional finals. In 2A, Albany. In a showcase matchup of unbeatens, Jaheim Newton ran for 162 yards, and Cole Chapman accounted for three total touchdowns as the Lions took down Munster 34-21. In 1A, Abbott. The Panthers are headed back to the state semifinals after taking down district rival Coolidge for the second time this season, 74-27. And in the private school ranks, Houston Emery Weiner. The Jaguars got a huge game from their defense and five combined passing touchdowns from Leo Gerst and Doran Eustine to knock off defending state champion Texas School for the Deaf in a 48-0 win in the TAPS six-man Division II state semifinals. So those are your Ozarka, fueled by nature, teams of the week. Congratulations to all the schools. We salute you. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. And now, a word from our friends at From Now On. From Now On is a proud sponsor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and your school's one-stop shop for community connection. Simplify your athletic communications with From Now On. Their FanX platform gives schools at all levels of the game a one-stop shop mobile experience that makes driving communication, creating engagement, and generating revenue easy. From Now On helps connect your school community with everything they need to win on game day. Schedules, streams, digital tickets, real-time notifications, and more. Learn more by visiting their website at from-now-on.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at fromnowonexp. Let's go to the hotline. And let's bring in the head coach of the regional finalist, China Spring Cougars. We are joined on the phone line by Coach Brian Bell. Coach, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Appreciate you having me. You can't avoid me. Uh, I saw you. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you Friday evening uh, as you were uh, walking off the field after knocking off Carthage. Uh, I asked you. I, I mentioned to you that I thought that the bus ride home was going to be pretty fun. So let's get a post game report. How was the bus ride home? It was a, it was a blast. We had canes, you know, had some chi- had some chicken fingers with some sauce, had some waters to drink. Man, we had a blast. So kids were definitely in good spirits. And and uh, Saturday morning film was a blast too. The guys loved to kind of get in there. And and uh, we made some mistakes. So there's some things to clean up too. But really proud of the effort they played with and and uh, ready to go this week. You guys were able to knock off Carthage, the two-time defending four Division II state champ, snapping their 41-game losing streak. And and I'm always interested. We mentioned uh, uh, on the show a little bit earlier about how uh, a lot of a lot of these dynasties, Carthage, Alito, uh, uh, Allen, teams like that, a lot of them walk off the bus and they're up 14 nothing on their opponent. How did you guys approach this week going up against this program that that is so that is so so decorated and so dominant uh, in order to keep you guys in, in the right mind frame to to go out there and get the win? Well, I think number one, um, obviously Carthage is a phenomenal program. Coach Red does a great job, um, but we really just try to make it about us. You know, it's really um, yeah, they're great, yeah, whatever. But we, we're really confident in, in the brand of football we're playing right now, and and uh, we really just try to control what we can control, and that's our performance, that's our preparation, and uh, not, try not really think about Carthage too much. And and I really think it helped us kind of playing them last year, and our kids had seen them before, and they knew what they were going to be like, and they knew how how everything was kind of going to kind of go pregame wise. And just, uh, I think that made it a little bit easier on us, but uh, we really just try to make it about us as much as possible. And I think uh, our kids did a really good job of, of being mature and having a disciplined mindset. I want to ask you about that first quarter because you guys came out and, and, and you threw the first punch. Uh, you get a stop on, on their opening drive and then you march down and you score on fourth down, uh, fourth down. You guys go for it on fourth and one and, and, and are able to punch it in for Dawson X line, getting the game, the touchdown run. Um, how, from your perspective, and I know every coach says they want to start fast, but especially in a game like that, how important was it for you guys to make sure you went out there and landed that first punch? Uh, no, absolutely. I think uh, our defense has done a great job all season long, um, especially just early in the ball game, creating some momentum for us and and uh, getting us the ball back. And offense, we kind of put some, put some plays together, got down there in the, inside the goal line and or inside the um, uh, red zone, I guess, and kind of made it inside the five-yard line. And, and sure enough, before you knew it, we kind of scored and, and things were kind of off. And so I think just by starting the game fast and creating that momentum really kind of allowed us uh, to get established in the game, our game plan a little bit, and, and we just never looked back. I was proud of our kids. Uh, we're talking with Brian Bell, the head coach of the China Spring Cougars here on Texas Football Today. Get involved with the conversation hashtag TF Today. Uh, coach, one of the major uh, – kind of 
sparks for your program and, and sparks for this team is, is your is your quarterback, Major Bowden, who was uh, such a warrior running the ball, made some big throws down the stretch. I came away really impressed with him. You're the guy who's seen him every day. Uh, what is it about your quarterback that sets him apart that makes him special? Uh, he's a difference maker. Uh, he's he's truly the X factor. He um, um, is so explosive, so dynamic with the ball in his hands, and and uh, what he's done in the last 365 days, working, throwing, throwing the ball, and and uh, uh, working on his weaknesses from last season, and, and a bunch of different things. Is uh, he's he's really grown a lot as a quarterback, and and that's really taken our offense to the next level. Um, last year, kind of in our playoff run, we're pretty one dimensional, and and I think we throw on the ball four or five times a game, and uh, he he's good enough throwing the ball right now where he can hurt anybody, and so um, that's really big on him and uh, like like you said uh, just with the ball in his hands he's so dynamic but uh, he's an incredible um his work ethic's unbelievable i mean behind the scenes he's he's doing everything he needs to do and uh he's committed to lamar right now and uh, he's going to make them extremely extremely happy just because of how physical of a runner he is and he's a little undersized um you know he's a little shorter uh but he just makes that up with his quickness and and his physicality i mean he, he doesn't miss a beat and so uh, he's really, really, really fun to coach. You mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit earlier about about your defense, which which has been so special this year. It's really stepped up in a big way. And, and watching you guys on 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 Friday, it, it really struck me how how well you guys flow to the football, how how well uh, you guys tackle in space. Um, you know, Carthage really wasn't able it was was never able to get into gear. Uh, from your perspective, you know, last year, you know, this was a this was a, a defense that was good, but it sure seems like it's taken that next step. What do you think has been the difference between between this year's defense and maybe maybe the past year's def- defenses. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, we just have a couple different things that we're doing uh, just to try to create some pressure on the quarterback and put some pressure on them and uh, just pass rush things that I think give us an advantage and uh, just really proud of our defensive staff for giving them get, giving the kids and putting them or giving them a good game plan number one and just putting them in positions to be successful. Um, it kind of all starts with Braden Faulkner, our Mike linebacker. I mean, heck of a talent. Started at quarterback as freshman and sophomore, and now as a junior and senior, he's played on the defense side of the ball, and he's a true leader and quarterback of that side of the ball. And he runs – I mean, he's extremely physical and runs uh, runs the football well, like you said, and I think everybody else just kind of falls in order. And Dawson X-Line, he's extremely physical. Greg Salazar uh, on the defensive line, and then you got Trey Hafford, Isaiah Williams, Jacob Mott on the back end, and, and our outside linebackers, Mason Kirk and Tristan X-Line. I mean, phenomenal football players. So, I mean, we've got a lot of guys that, that take a lot of pride in the details, and, and uh, our defensive staff does a good job of creating that mentality of running to the football, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a pride thing, and they, and they take a lot of pride in it. When did it, when did it strike you that you guys were actually going to do it, that, it was actually, that you guys were actually going to win the ball game? Because I know, look, I know those final moments can be really tense, especially when you're trying to knock off a, a defending state champion. When was, the, when was the moment that you were like, oh, my gosh, I think we're going to win this game? I think well, when the buzzer went off, <laughs> I think uh, maybe when we made the field goal, I thought, man, we, we might have done this. But you just never know, um, especially with Carthage and how well coached they are. You just uh, they find they find their way. They find ways to win games, yes, especially late like that. And uh, they kind of were starting to come back a little bit. And our defense did a really good job of stopping them at the end. But um, I think it was a 14-7 at half. Mm-hmm. And um uh, kind of, we knew we weren't going to be able to win the game with just 14 points offensively. So uh, we knew we we're going to have to be aggressive coming out and really put some points on the board again. Our kicker made two big field goals uh, for us in the second half. That was clutch, uh, Thomas Barr. And so mm-hmm. it was a team team effort, uh, team win. And but yeah, it wasn't until the game actually ended. I knew I knew we had it in the bag because <laughs> you just never know what could happen. It was it was it was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, you you absolutely don't. And and uh, and it was it was. I'll tell you, it was it, from my perspective, it was kind of that same thing of like as soon as you guys kick that field goal, that's the first time. I thought I was like, man, it it might actually happen. They're gonna they're gonna do this stinking thing. Uh, it's on to the next one, coach, and it's not like it gets any easier. Uh, you guys, uh, it's gonna go down. Uh, it's gonna go down uh, Friday night, seven o'clock at uh, Tomball ISD Stadium. You will draw the Mustangs of West Orange Shark. I know you're deep into film study. I'm not gonna ask you to, to tell everybody what you're gonna do on Friday, but when you take a look at what you're up against on Friday, uh, what do you see? Um, goodness gracious, Co- um, Coach Thompson does a phenomenal job year in and year out. And that's obvious, just kind of what kind of football they play, especially in the playoffs. And, um, you know, they're just so well coached, uh, put themselves in position to be successful. Uh, they don't miss a line on defense. Um, they're always in a, in a good position. And then offensively, they're just so explosive, um, especially running the ball, uh, throwing the ball. They've gotten better uh, as the season's gone on, especially to this point. But um, they're just so dynamic with uh, some athletes that they have on the offensive side. And they give, give a bunch of people di- or different people the ball. Um, and so it's going to be tough to stop. It's going to be a tall task for our defense. 
uh, but but I mean they're going to be confident and, and be running the football and, and doing the best that they can and and uh, yeah we're deep into film study right now but uh, from what I've seen you know when you kind of study film you try to find some weaknesses you know and you try to find a couple players that might be lesser than or whatever and and when you put on the film of Carthage last week and then you turn around and you, and you watch this film you just you can't find many weaknesses so uh, we're just going to try to go out and do what we do and 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 it's all it's all really about us and we're going to give them our best shot. One last question for Brian Bell, the head coach of China Spring. Coach, you are you've you've uh, to say you have deep ties at China Spring is the understatement of the year. Uh, you uh, of course are the son of former coach Mark Bell. Uh, you uh, were a ball boy for the Cougars. You played for the Cougars before going off for a terrific uh, uh, career at Sam Houston. Um, is it fair to say, I, I guess my question is, Is it, it does it make it extra special to be doing this at China Spring as opposed to, to anywhere else? Does, does, does that add a little extra, uh, you know, uh, does that make it more satisfying? Absolutely. Uh, this place means everything to me. Um, uh, this community is extremely special. Uh, I've, I've been here probably uh, 20-something years of my life. I've I've kind of lived in China Spring city limits and it's just, this place is incredibly special and we're growing right now. And, um, it's, it's just an incredible place to be. Our community is phenomenal. Our administration is phenomenal. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of growing up and being a ball boy and, and, uh, being able to be a part of this uh, program for a long, long, long time, uh, to be, I mean, I guess being the head coach, being blessed to be able to be the head coach and, and for us to be being successful and kids playing hard. Um, I mean, I couldn't ask, I'm, I'm in a dream spot right now and, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity and and uh, that uh, Dr. Faulkner really took a chance on me whenever my dad retired to give me this opportunity and and uh, it's just been a lot of fun and and uh, we're excited so uh, hopefully we can keep this thing going. Uh, everybody's already telling us we're in the state championship, Greg. So uh, we got to make sure we go one and zero this week. You know the whole town telling telling the kids that telling us that you know and they're excited and it's a good good time to be there. But we got a lot of long ways to go and and uh, West Orange Starks not no. Uh, no easy task, so we're going to have to give him our best shot. He's Brian Bell. He's the head coach of the regional finalist, China Spring Cougars. Coach, appreciate your time. Congratulations again on the big win, and uh, best of luck Friday night. Hey, I appreciate that, and I told you Friday, but uh, honestly, all you guys do for Texas high school football is unbelievable, and we really appreciate it because uh, this, this sport wouldn't be the same without you guys, and y'all, y'all do so much for kids. It's unbelievable, so thank you guys again. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Coach. There yep. you Bell, Brian Bell, head coach of the China Spring Cougars, join us here on Texas Football today. Uh, so he's 30. I was just going to say, that makes you feel quite old, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, he's got, yeah. <laughs> I got many, many, many more great we had some. Uh, we had some cool people in the comments, too, that were Lorena fans, and they were saying, hey, you know, we're, we're cheering you on, bring some ring, rings back to the 254. Yeah. So I think that's always cool Big when that Central happens. Big Central Texas energy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's and and that's that's what's super. I mean, they had a really nice crowd out there in Prosper. Oh yeah, and they were not there to sit on their hands. <laughs> um, it was it was really fun to watch, and they were. It was a big celebration. You know, that was you know I mentioned I asked coach about starting fast, and they went for it. They got down to like the three. They had like first and goal at the three. Mm-hmm. They ran, they ran, they ran, and they got down to the one. And so it's four. It's like inside the one. It's like fourth and goal at the one. And they're lining up to go for it, which I think, by the way, is the right move. Absolutely. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. No. Um, and he lined up, and I'm sitting there in the press box, scoreless still, right first quarter, and I'm going like, man, this is a real turning point. Because yep. if they if they don't score here, mm-hmm. like that sideline might deflate. Yep. And sure enough, Dawson X-Line punches in and off the left side, and, um, and from there... There was this energy on the sideline that mm-hmm. you were just like, okay, they're in it. Like mm. they've they've land, they've landed the punch, and it was very very impressive to see. So uh, appreciate Coach Brian Bell hopping all this. Cool. He can't he can't avoid me. I saw him Friday, <laughs> and then I texted him last night. I, I texted him as such. I was like, man, you can't get away from me, brother. You're preaching to the choir. We're Texas football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebookcom campbells Follow us on Instagram, instagramcom campbells and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school. football football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Pickle. Dave Campbell's Texas Football in conjunction with the Texas Bulls. Proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most serving high schooler in the state of Texas. Each Monday, TexasFootball.com announces (laughs) 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you voting at texasfootball.com and then we will close the voting at noon uh, with the winner being announced here on Texas Football Today shortly there 
after your week 14. 14. Thank you. Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award nominees. Den Geyer quarterback Jackson Arnold threw for 304 yards and two touchdowns passing, 62 yards and another two touchdowns on the ground in Geyer's win over... Byron Nelson. Thank you. They got a push. Yeah, I was just going to say, that first half looked... Uh, oof. San Antonio Brennan quarterback Ashton DeBose, 318 yards, six touchdowns passing, 85 yards and a touchdown rushing. Been doing that all year. Mm-hmm. Corpus Christi Flower Bluff quarterback Nash Viegas threw for 322 yards and two touchdowns through the air, 44 yards and a touchdown rushing. They set up their big rivalry game rematch with Corpus Christi Vets. Mm-hmm. Crosby wide receiver and defense back Cameron Kirkwood had five catches for 104 yards and a touchdown receiving. He had 17 yards rushing. He had eight tackles and two interceptions of defense. Defense, rather. Defense. Same thing. Academy quarterback Casey Mraz, 39 of 44, 368 yards, four touchdowns passing, and a rush touchdown in a hard luck loss to Dieball. Yeah, RIP Swolbees. Brock running back Cutter Wilson. 295 yards and five touchdowns rushing against Jim Ned. He ran angry. Aubrey running back Braylon Colgrove, 157 yards and four touchdowns on the ground as the Chaparrells are through to the regional finals. They beat the tar out of them. Gilmer quarterback Brandon Tennyson, 18 of 28, 311 yards, six touchdowns passing in a wild shootout win over Van. Tomball quarterback Cale Hellams, 38 carries, 312 yards and three touchdowns on the ground for Kale Helms. And finally, Marlin quarterback Desmond Woodson, 471 yards and six touchdowns passing, 65 yards rushing. Don't sleep on Marlin. No. And their quarterback, Desmond Woodson. They're at Jordan School, too. Did you see their jerseys? The mm. the white with the purple with the mm-hmm. J on it? Oh, God, it's good. Okay. Shout out, Marlin. There they are. The Week 14 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Vote early, vote often, vote now at Texas football.com okie dokie pickle one last thing to do today and that's talk a little bit of coaching carousel there's only one r in carousel are you sure promise you uh it's a carousel so we've got two things to talk about both in the dfw metroplex and both of which are a bit noteworthy so i don't i haven't been on twitter in 15 minutes so i don't know if it's official yet Mm -hmm. but it is overwhelmingly reported. It is now like a done deal in everything except announcement, unless it's been announced. That TCU has their new head coach. Of course, you remember TCU uh, parted ways with Gary Patterson during the middle of the season. Uh, Jerry Kill, who, by the way, is going to go be the new head coach in New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Kill served as the interim. They have now landed on their head coach, and it's a guy who knows his way around Fort Worth. He plays there every year. And that would be Sonny Dykes, the head coach yep. of the SMU Mustangs. Uh, TCU poaches the coach of their rival, uh, which is certainly noteworthy. Yeah. Right? I mean, it adds a little spice to the skillet, so to speak. It is, it is, it is noteworthy. Yeah. And it's important to remember that what Sonny Dykes has done at SMU is pretty remarkable. Okay? He took over a program there at SMU, which I don't think was in dire straits. Uh, but he was he was a bit of damaged goods mm-hmm. coming out of Cal. It, they definitely weren't seen as a title contender in their respective So he was a conference. bit of damaged goods coming out of Cal. It didn't go well for him. Now, I also think, personally, I think Cal's a bad job. It is. And I think Sonny Dykes, I don't think Sonny Dykes suddenly became a terrible coach when he was at, from, from the time he went from Louisiana Tech to Cal. But that's neither here nor there. He has like a retrenching year as an offensive analyst at TCU mm-hmm. before he gets the head coaching job at SMU. And he's done a pretty remarkable job there at SMU. He's 30 and 18 there at SMU, uh, including that 10 win year back in 2019. Uh, and, and yeah. He has done an excellent job there at SMU, and what I think is really impressive about what he's done is that he has really built them into having an identity, which is we are the team. We are the team of Dallas. We are going to circle. We're going to we're going to draw a circle around the DFW Metroplex, and we're going to grab the we're going to grab the best guys. Mm-hmm. And we're going to bring them in. That's why you see all these billboards around Dallas whenever they've got a kid who's from that town mm-hmm. it says like you well know, and he did a really good job of hiring people that well, were able to make that possible <laughs> get to him in a moment um and i think that tcu 
looked across town, and they go, huh, that is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, and I, I want to I preface this by saying that I do think that he's a really good football mind. I yes. think he knows what he's doing around a playbook. What I'm about to say is not about that. I think he's I think he's a pretty good football mind. I think he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I think TCU, much like Tech, looked around and much like for example USC, mm-hmm. looked around and they said the name of the game especially in the new Big 12, yes, without Texas and Oklahoma and with Houston, BYU, UCF and I always forget the other one. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, thank you. Without with the new Big 12, the name of the game is talent acquisition. Yep. We will figure out the schemes later. But the name of the, the game is talent acquisition. And there is no doubting that Sonny Dykes and his staff know how to acquire talent, especially in the major metro area, in the DFW metro area. They've done an excellent job of that at SMU. I think, plain and simple, and SMU fans are not going to like this, but it's the God's honest truth of the matter, that the conference that SMU is in, the American Athletic Conference, what they are going to look like after realignment, and what the Big 12 are going to look like in realignment, that gap widened. Yes, it did. The Big 12 is now a better conference than the American Athletic Conference by a larger margin. Mm-hmm. And for a second I don't think there, it was looking like it was trending that the Big 12 was falling a lot That's deeper. exactly right. Like, Instead, I think that the way that it's shaping out and the way that w- with, I mean, with the AAC, I mean, the AAC is going to lose both of the teams that are in their conference title game and the team that won a, a mythical national championship <laughs> to the Big 12. And the and basically the AAC is going to going to pick up some conference USA teams, so that gap has widened, and I think that in that new look Big Twelve, they looked and said we're going to need a guy who can go and 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 acquire the kind of talent we need around the DFW Metroplex to do it, and I think that that's what they got in Sunny Dykes. They also reportedly, reportedly, and again all this reported because TCU hasn't announced all this reportedly. They're also adding Rashad Samples. Rashad Samples was the assistant head coach at, 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 at SMU, and he is also an excellent football mind. That is not to say that he's not a football great football mind, but he is that's the where recruiting you, ace. That's where you get your bang for your buck. He is the star of the show on the recruiting side. He is the guy that, you, that he's the straw that serves a drink from a recruiting side. And so they're they're importing that across. Ooh, they're importing that across the metroplex. It's getting really hyped over here. <laughs> they're importing that across the metroplex from SMU to TCU. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's going to make the the battle for the iron iron skillet pretty fun. It will really fun. Also of, of note, it sounds like speaking of USC, it sounds like Brian Carrington, the who was the uh, director of player personnel yes. or, or basically the head the head recruiting guy yep. out there. Whichever title formerly, they give him. Formerly at the University of Texas, mm-hmm. went out to USC. Sounds like he's coming to join TCU staff yep. as well. They're trying to build a recruiting death star. Yes. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to they're looking, I think both TCU and Tech looked at the new landscape and they go, We have got to double down on talent acquisition and they did. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's a pretty darn good football coach. We're going to see how it works out at TCU. Filling the filling the shoes of a legend is not easy. But they've got a guy that they believe can build the can keep that program up near the upper echelon, up in the upper echelon of the new Big 12. So that leaves a um and, and by the way, I'm trying to think. I guess the last time we had an in-state coaching move at the FBS level was um Tom Herman. Yep. Tom Herman moving from Houston over to Texas, and then prior to that, it was Sumlin moving from Houston over to A&M. Okay. So that leaves us with SMU as open. Mm-hmm. And SMU, this is the funniest part of this. Well, and well what I think is, is SMU actually open? <laughs> this is what I think is the funniest part of this. SMU has announced their new head coach. 
Did it, they TCU has not acknowledged that they're that they have taken Sonny Dykes, Mm-mm. but it is again fait accompli. It's going to happen. They have announced their new head coach, and their new head coach is Rhett Lashley. Rhett Lashley. That's R H E T T. Rhett Lashley. And Rhett Lashley is coming to um, Houston or coming to SMU from Miami, Miami, where he was the offensive coordinator uh, for the past couple of years under Manny Diaz. Now, I do not know, to be very clear about this, I do not know what Manny Diaz's um, history or if Manny Diaz is long for that world in Miami. They're going through an athletic director change. There's a whole lot of things going on there. But I don't think that has anything to do with this Mm -mm. because – Rhett Lashley, who I believe becomes – let me think this through. He's 38. I think he becomes the, the, the youngest head coach. I, I need to check how old Jake Spavital is. That would be the one guy. Yeah, I don't um, He may be the youngest head coach in the state. In any case, and I guess supposedly – I don't know. Maybe, Spavital, uh, Spav is 36. 36, okay. So he's the second youngest. Mm-hmm. Rhett Lashley comes to SMU – to take over as for his first ever head coaching job. Never been a head coach. Now, he is he has been on the fast track for a while. Oh yeah. He was a quarterback at Arkansas in the early in the early aughts. He is uh he's from Arkansas. He's uh from Springdale, Arkansas, so uh, you know if you're interested in that kind of thing. And he was on the fast track, okay? He went through, he did some GA stuff at uh, Arkansas and Auburn. He went through the FCS ranks. He was the offensive coordinator for Auburn from oath from 13 to 16, uh, and just went on and, and and really was on that 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 quick rise there from from uh, there. He was Gus Malzahn's offensive coordinator um, there at, at at Auburn. Is that right? Um, yeah. And so Lashley then followed Gus Malzahn. He's a he's a he's of the Gus Malzahn train a tree. He goes over to uh, goes uh, in, to Arkansas State, then to Auburn with him and stuff like that. I had that reversed. Arkansas State, then to Auburn. Bounce around at at, at at UConn, and you're probably thinking, okay, Tepper, get to the point. Where what's the SMU tie? He was the offense coordinator uh, for Chad Morris. Chad Morris? No, Sonny Dykes. He was the mm-hmm. offense coordinator for Sonny Dykes. In two thousand and um, in two thousand and eighteen and two thousand and nineteen, before he moved on to be the office coordinator at Miami, so he's got ties there. Mm-hmm. Thirty eight first ever head coaching job, okay, but he knows the landscape mm-hmm. after spending a little bit of time there, and he is a guy who I this is this is a bit of a risk from SMU. Mm-hmm. TCU went with the established head coach, okay, and actually SMU's Last head, last coach that they brought in was Sonny Dykes, and say what you want about him, he had head coaching chops. Mm-hmm. Chad Morris did not, but at the same time, went okay. Before that, they hired June Jones. June Jones was a was a long time, you know, he was successful for a long time, you know, at at the, at the coaching level. Well, and if their tie is so, to Sonny Dykes, you have to know that he was the one that probably suggested and went to bat for him yes. when all this was happening. So that says something. Correct. That said, let's be clear about this. Rhett Lashley is known as an offensive whiz. He is known as a guy who is very thoughtful. He's known as a guy who knows his way around an offensive playbook. We do not know what a Rhett Lashley run program looks like. Mm -mm. We don't. There's a lot of unknowns there. There's a lot of unknowns. Furthermore, I think that the, the hill gets steeper because of who... Sonny Dykes is taking with him to Fort Worth mm-hmm. with Rashad Samples, with reportedly uh, the offensive coordinator, some other guys like this. Now, again, that's not to say that he's a bad hire because I think that this is the kind of this is one genre of hire that you can make, which is the hot assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is more in line with hiring a guy like Dave Aranda at yes. Baylor. Okay. Who had never been a head coach either. Ask Baylor how that's working out. Seems pretty good. Right. There are ways of going about that for SMU. They're going with the younger guy who does not have those kind of chops. I also think that for a job like SMU, there's not a lot of harm in doing that for a couple of reasons. One, if you can continue the if you can continue the 
idea of being the team of Dallas, mm-hmm. then you can help to seal the, continue to seal those borders. You have that built-in recruiting base. You can continue to do that, and maybe a young voice like Rhett Lashley is going, and an exciting offense mm-hmm. is going to to pay dividends. Well, and then it's one of those things if he moves on later on and it goes well, and then he recommends someone, you've got that maybe. whole SMU tree that just keeps going at that point. Right. Furthermore, the other thing is Rhett Lashley is a guy who I think will be able to generate a little bit of excitement there. Uh, the offense is certainly going to put a little bit some butts in seats. They're going to be exciting. And, and I think that especially in a quarterback, uh, with a quarterback-friendly offense like he runs, I think that you are going to see him do a good job, uh, be able to acquire some talent in that regard. Now, this is not a slam dunk. It could blow up in their face. And for, you know, for, for uh, I also think that, that for, for SMU, they were kind of forced into this position because the coaching carousel now spins faster and faster and faster every year. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a guy with head football, with head coaching experience, you're either going to go with a relative retread or you're going to be looking at like the lower, like, you know, a Conference USA coach or, 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 or someone, you know, someone like that or even like an FCS coach, mm-hmm. right? Because now the the coaching carousel, nobody's getting the time to be able to build up their resumes. Right. I mean, look at the coach at Missouri to draw from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Eli Drinkwitz was the head coach at Appalachian State for a year. Mm-hmm. One, before he was the head coach at Mizzou, an SEC program. The coaching carousel spins faster. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, if you can identify, and especially in a place like SMU, which God love them, let's see what happened with their last two coaches. Chad Morris got poached by the SEC. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out there, but he got poached by the SEC. Sonny Dykes comes in, he gets poached by your crosstown rival in TCU. SMU has had trouble holding on to coaches because when you succeed, you look to the next level. You look to the next step. If you had gotten some sort of word from Rhett Lashley that this is where he wants to be for the long term, that would go a long way. Yep. Now, money talks and BS walks. Ask Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, I would be very interested in what those conversations were like with uh, between Rhett Lashley and Athletic Director Rick Hart. Because of I would think that Rick Hart at least got some sort of assurance that he wanted to be there and this was not a stepping stone. This was a place he wanted to be for a relative, relatively decent amount of time. Now, again, money talks, BS walks, et cetera, et cetera. Rhett Lashley's going to be the new head coach. He's an exciting young head coach. We don't know what his program's going to look like. But I think that he does have a foundation to build on that could set him up for success. And the coaching carousel continues here. Um, Ish just sent that SMU's Kenny Perry is joining Joey McGuire at Texas Tech as an assistant head coach and special teams coordinator per sources. Great to see Perry and McGuire recruiting or reuniting in Lubbock. That comes from Max Olson. So, so yeah, Texas, Tech, are, Texas Tech's trying to build a recruiting Death Star. I was six and say this they're trying to build like, a talent acquisition Death Star mm-hmm. out there and bringing a guy like Kenny Perry who knows his way around Texas and is what uh, he, he is he is he and he and Joey McGuire are thick as thieves. Um, that's an that's another another big move. Anyway, the coaching carousel will continue to spin. We have two new FBS coaches in the state of Texas. Exciting times. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, something that someone brought up earlier that I felt like deserved a shout out here. Uh, they said, "Can Coach PV get some love? Not only did he take Beaumont Westbrook to the championship game, but now he has LCM, a historically bad program, on a round four. That was a big oh." Oh, um, yes. If you are asking, can Eric PV get some love from yes. us? Yes, he can. I was just, wait, that yes. was just a that was a thing from Little Cypress Mariceville has not been did not go Little over. Cypress Mariceville is in the fourth round of the playoffs for the first time since two, 1997. Uh, and what Eric PV's done there is remarkable. Um, I will tell you that I don't. I will tell you that the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff had some conversations this year about coach of the year candidates mm-hmm. and. Eric Peavy is firmly in our crosshairs for a spot on the shortlist for for a coach of the year. I think what he's done is remarkable. And um, I think he knows what he's doing. 
I think that's a ball coaching dude right there. Mm-hmm. So, yes, shout-out to them, and shout-out to the uh, LCM Bears who were able to shut down El Campo's offense. And yeah, really, that was impressive. That was very impressive. So um, Also, Turnpike Troubadours are back. They are back. I heard that. I didn't hear that until now. Yeah. I am pumped. I saw a tweet. Okay. It's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to China Spring head coach Brian Bell for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.